All right, now chapter 27, Genesis 27, verse 30, 30 until the end. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn son. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master, and all his relatives I have given to him as uh, servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. And by your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve." But it shall come about when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee to Haran to my brother Laban, and and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what you did to him. Then I shall send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of both of you in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Verse 30. After the blessing, it says in verse 30, Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of his father, Isaac, that his brother Jacob came in from his hunting. Is that also not providential? Jacob barely leaves, and then Esau comes, and verse 31, he had prepared the food, and then he goes to his father. So all this happened in just a short amount of time between Jacob leaving and Esau entering. Well, verse 32 Isaac is 
naturally curious, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn son. Now, at this point, for (coughs) these two sons to come like this, it's obvious now to Isaac, and from hearing Esau's voice, most likely, that something amiss happened. It's obvious to him. So that's why in verse 33, Isaac trembled violently. He trembled violently because what he thought was reality, at least temporarily, what he thought was reality was not reality. And then verse 33, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate uh, of uh, all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. He's thinking it might be Jacob, but he's not sure who it was the first time. But he's saying, because I said it, because I pronounced the blessing on that man, it will indeed happen that way. The word of prophecy, the word of blessing that actually did come on Jacob will actually occur to him. Now, that may sound unusual. It may sound unusual, but we do have another example of this, at least another example of this in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 9. Do you remember in the time of Joshua as he's conquering Canaan that one of the cities of Canaan, those inhabitants, though they were a mighty city, a city-state in Canaan, though they were strong and mighty, Um, they were afraid of Joshua and Israel's military. They were afraid, so they pretended to be foreigners from a far land. They came with torn and tattered clothing and with old crusty bread, and they present themselves to Joshua and his men, and they say, listen, we are not natives. We are not natives, so don't do anything to us. We are from a far, far land, so make a treaty with us that you won't do anything to us. We know you are conquering this land, but we want to live here and don't harm us, don't kill us, don't exterminate us. Basically, that's their proposal. And verse 14, Joshua 9, 14. So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. See what happens? They don't ask of the Lord, but they do swear. In this case, it's even less of, uh, it's not a prophecy like in the case of Isaac. It is swearing an oath, giving your oath or word to the others. And then they discover... They discover that they are natives. The Gibeonites are natives and not foreigners. When it comes to their attention, it says in verse 18, 9, 18, And the sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. But they have an alternate plan. We cannot touch them. So they could not kill them as they were supposed to kill all of the inhabitants of Canaan because God had commanded that the Canaanites be destroyed when Joshua conquers the land. 
but they could not do it in that specific case because of the word of the oath. They swore before the Lord in the name of the Lord to protect them so they couldn't kill them. Well, something like that is also happening here. That is, Isaac already pronounced in Genesis 27, Isaac already pronounced a blessing, a prophetic blessing, spiritual implications of it, and he could not renege on that. That's why he says in verse 33, 27, 33, yes, and he shall be blessed. It will indeed happen. Well, in 34, 34 and following, Esau, it says in 34, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. A great and bitter cry. And in verse 38, verse 38, so Esau lifted his voice and wept. A great and bitter cry lifts up his voice and he weeps. He also in 34 says, Bless me, even me, O my father. And in 35, Jacob has taken away your blessing. And then verse 36, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And then in 37, Isaac confirms, I have made him your master. I've already done all these things. I can't reverse any of that. And then again in 38, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. Esau wants this blessing. He wants it intensely. He cries about it. He weeps about it. Um, And it says it's an exceedingly great and bitter cry to get this blessing. And what is the blessing he wants? He's not wanting the spiritual component to it. He wants the physical, material, earthly component to it. The earthly, material component of the blessing is what he really desires. And that's what makes him cry so bitterly. And even later wants to assassinate Jacob. This is what's happening with Esau. He doesn't care for the spiritual. Now, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 explains what's going on here some more. Hebrews 12 14, 12, 14. Pursue peace with all and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. No place for repentance in the life of Esau, though he sought for it with tears. So, no no desire. The spiritual part was out of reach because there was no repentance in him. We also notice a contrast 
right there in verse 36. Genesis 27, actually 27.35. Jacob says to, to Esau, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. This is true. That's how it happened. Verse 36. Is he not, then he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Now, he did take away the blessing in a deceitful way in this chapter, but the other part is not entirely correct in terms of deception. It wasn't deception. It was supplanting him, but it wasn't deception because in Genesis 25, Esau actually said that he would give up his birthright for the single meal. So he actually consciously agreed to it. It was an open exchange. It was, it was an open uh, contract or deal that they made. There was no deceit with that. There was supplanting of it, but it was willful. Willful sup supplanting of, of Esau by Jacob. Um, so in 37, verse 37, Isaac says... Um, what can I do, my son? There is only one way for this spiritual component to be fulfilled, and it happened with Jacob. What can I do to you I, or do for you? God has not permitted that. It's not in the will of God for you to enjoy the spiritual blessings. Right. So I can't. And I've actually given Jacob also some uh, material as well as spiritual blessings. So we pick it up at verse 39. Isaac says of Esau and to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling and away from the dew of heaven above. And by your sword you shall live. Now, this is true because we read in Genesis 36. That's where it is fully explained in Genesis 36 that Esau went to inhabit a barren and desert-like mountainous territory southeast of the land of Canaan and southeast of the Dead Sea called the land of Edom. Right. Land of Edom, and it was mountainous and barren. So it did not have fertile soil. It did not have uh, the dew of heaven to, to water it. And he would have to live by hunting wild game. What he loved to do, he's going to do Lifelong, living at Mount Seir or living in the land of Edom. That would be in his case, but also verse 40, your brother you shall serve. You're going to serve purposes that relate to your brother. It's not your brother going to serve you even though you are the eldest, the firstborn. Right. You are going to serve him. Uh, you're going to break away from him, which in a Material, physical way, that happens when they separate. He goes to live in the land of Edom. Um, but also in terms of the spiritual benefits too, he's not going to be around the godly anymore. He's not going to be around Isaac and Rebekah, and he's not going to be around his brother Jacob anymore. He's going to be separate from all of them in another nation, becoming another nation eventually. Verse 41 he bears a, gr a grudge against Jacob, which is characteristic 
characteristic of those who lack repentance, those who do not know the Lord, they bear a grudge. Now, in bearing this grudge, we know that it's not just a matter of him remembering, but it's bearing a grudge in the sense that he wants to kill Jacob. He's harboring this hatred because his eventual goal is to murder his brother Jacob. Jacob would not, for this reason, deserve the death penalty, but he wants to assassinate and murder his own blood brother in order to accomplish this. This is characteristic of an unbeliever. Remember what our Lord said after he taught us how to pray in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, 6.14, For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. He harbors this in order to potentially kill Jacob. Well, Rebecca. She is told of this, verse 42. It says, The words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah. And in order to avert this, she calls Jacob again with another plan for him to flee to Haran to my brother Laban. Go away, that this is farther north in northern Mesopotamia. Leave the land of Canaan, go away to far, far away to northern Mesopotamia, where some relatives had settled, remember, in, among the clan that came out of Ur of the Chaldeans, some of them remained in the city of Haran in northern Mesopotamia. And then Abraham, as well as Lot, and all their people and possessions, they eventually migrated southward to the land of Canaan. So she's saying, go back to Laban there and stay there, it says in verse 4, uh, a few days until your brother's fury subsides. Now this must, this is obviously a figure of speech, a few okay. days, because it's not going to happen in just a week or two, maybe not even a month or two, that his anger is going to subside or he's going to forget. It's going to be longer than that. It's just a figure of speech. We do know from chapter 31, 38, 31, 38 and 41, that he lived there for 20 years. 20 years yeah. He lived there for 20 years. And then she promises in verse 45 that after she knows about this, um, I shall, then I shall send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? After she knows that Esau's anger has subsided, he's for, forgotten about it, he doesn't care about it anymore. Even in that 20-year period, perhaps Esau has become so prosperous that he doesn't care about whatever he thought he lost or did lose with Jacob 20 years before. And we do know from Genesis chapters 32 and 33, Esau was very numerous and prosperous, physically speaking, uh, so much so that Jacob was afraid of Esau, that Esau was sending all those men to go and harm him and his family. But that wasn't the case by then. So she is correct in knowing that after a while, some years, that his anger would subside. God blessed him enough. And how do we know God would um, bless him enough? Uh, well, he would have a separate territory. And God does also often bless the wicked 
if they are diligent with their responsibilities, right? He often does also bless them. So in those kinds of ways, Rebecca would have known that after some time, his anger would subside. And she says, why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? That is, if he rises up against you and then you try to protect yourself, you might kill each other right there in a fight. Both of you might die in the same fight, and I don't want to be bereaved like that. And lastly, in 46, Rebecca says to Isaac that she's tired of living because of the daughters of Heth, the daughters of the land. She's talking about the women of the land of Canaan being idolatrous and immoral, right? Because with idolatry comes immorality. With immorality comes idolatry. The two go hand in hand. And the immorality is sexual, but it's more than that. It's all kinds of immoral, unethical behavior. Anything that would be like dishonoring parents, murder, adultery, theft, lying or deceit, and covetousness. That's all immoral in the Bible. So she did not want Jacob to take a wife from one of them. So he, she wants him to, um, to leave, and Isaac, we'll see in chapter 28, Isaac agrees with this. That's not a good thing. The daughters of Heth were evil and unbelieving. And who did marry the daughters of Heth? Ishmael married Canaanites, and Esau also married um, the women in the land of Canaan. But they're trying to prevent Jacob from doing it. Not that it's wrong to marry from another ethnic group. That's not the concern. Whenever the Bible speaks like this, the concern is not to marry unbelievers because it's typical from the nations of the world if the average person in the, from the nations of the world, outside of believers, outside of the church, they're going to be unbelievers who have no desire to please God, no desire to live according to the gospel of Christ. That is a fair assumption out there in the world. And that's the same here. So she wants Jacob to marry a believer. And that's why she sends him away. But also, of course, the main reason, the impetus for sending him away is for his own physical protection. We'll see in the next chapter that Isaac agrees to it and sends off Jacob with a blessing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.